Thank you for joining us this week at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with worship leader Omar Lopez Jr. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. Man, I am just, I'm so grateful to be up here and to share. I'm, it's always an honor to, when, you, when you get the, the stage and you get the microphone. Um, so thank you so much. Um, man, isn't, isn't God doing something amazing in our church um, tonight with the presence of God is here? But just, just God, is, God is doing something, isn't he? God is doing something, and just this past Sunday, um, you know, honestly, it never, it doesn't ever get old. Every time you see someone give their life to the Lord and they come and get baptized up here, there's just this change, isn't it? Isn't isn't it amazing? And and week by week, when they when people start coming for the first time, you can see a change in them. There's a countenance difference in them, isn't there? Like God is God is moving. Um, let, let me ask you this: Who has given their life to the Lord? This year, how about in the last two years? Well, and you can keep your hand up. Cool. Okay, I'm just I'm just getting a survey. That's that's awesome. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love I love when God what God is doing in this place, and just grateful to be a part of it. Um, grateful to to be be leading worship and um, just seeing the presence of God in this place. And um, but can I can I be honest tonight? Can I be honest? What concerns me, what concerns me is when I see people who are, who are struggling with their faith. And, and we know, that, hey, walking with the Lord, there there's, could be this challenge, right? There is this challenge. But when, when you've been here for a number of years and there's this struggle of back and forth, swaying back and forth, in and out, constantly. And, and if that's you, you're here. That's fine. You're here. You're coming. Keep coming. I, I love that phrase, like, keep coming. Just keep coming. God's doing a work in you. But... I, there's there's this disconnect I believe that that's there that's causing us to sway back and forth in and out of the house of God in and out of our faith of surrendering, and you know it's like it's like the remember the woman with the issue of blood, and she's in her heart she's like I just I've spent everything my entire life savings trying to find a cure for myself. All I need to do is touch Jesus. And here's Jesus walking amongst the crowd, and everyone's touching him. Everyone's touching him. And she comes in saying, if I can just touch him, there's a desperation in her heart. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. And she does that. And Jesus notices and recognizes virtue. Power come from him. And he says, who touched me? And yet all around, people are touching him, but yet there was faith, and she touched him. And so... That might even be you, where there's, there's a move of God happening. You come into worship, and, and you're, just, you're not engaged. You're standing, and you know, you're like, Lord, okay, Lord, wh- where are you, Lord? And you're just standing there. You're, you're looking around. You're seeing people, and all around you, people are touching Jesus. And yet, you might be standing there, not engaged. There, there is this disconnect there that, that's concerning, because the grace of God is strong enough and powerful enough for every believer who give their life to Jesus, to have a transformation internally on the inside out. 
I'm fully convinced that the power of God is enough to see every believer walk out their faith without wavering. You know, some of you come to church, some of you come to church wanting a spiritual fulfillment for your own spiritual deficit. You see, you coming to church, you, yeah, we, we love the, I love the presence of God when we come in tonight and we worship, but this is not the place for you to encounter Jesus. It's supposed to be a daily activity, daily prayer, daily reading of the word. And so you come in here, you're filled, and, and you get, we get to enjoy each other in the presence of God together. This, this is not the place where, where you get filled up. And it, it, by the mercy of the Lord, the, God fills us up when we come. But if you're going to continue a habit to come in and out, that there's going to be this disconnect and this struggle that you, that you, you find. You know, I think there's, but there's, you know what, I have a video um, before I go on. I have this video, and how many know of uh, Stephanie Gretzinger? She's a worship leader. We, we love her music. Uh, I'm sure we, we loop it on YouTube all the time. I do. Um, but her daughter's, her daughter's name is Wonder Grace, and she's like four or five years old. And she was, uh, about a month ago, she, uh, she was with Rita Springer, and uh, they had this conversation. And let me show you a little clip. Okay, Wonder, what do you think truth means? Um, you say something that is really, really true. And why do you think sometimes people have a hard time believing that God's word is the truth? Because they don't know him. Did you catch that? Because they don't know him. Do you know him? Do you know him? You see, when, when you know him, when you get to know him, you learn his heart. You learn what pleases him. You learn what it looks like to give him a sacrifice of praise. When you know him, you learn that he really does care, take care of every need when you put him first. When you know him, you learn that it pleases him to offer grace and mercy instead of seeking to get revenge. When you know him, you learn that doing the right thing is really the right thing. And that is a part of your worship. When you know him, you're kind, you're selfless, you give, you're slow to anger, you're generous. When you know him, do you know him? That's, that's the disconnect there. I found this thought. Remember when you were a kid and you're growing up and your parents tell you, hey, you got to take out the trash, you got you to make your bed, um, you, you can't stay up late watching video games. Um, I don't know if any may grow up with video games, but uh, don't stay out too late. Um, and, 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 you know, looking back, we know, oh, there's, there's wisdom in what they were telling. They, they really loved us, and, and we can see that now. But at the time, you were saying, why? Why? Like many of your kids are telling you, why? Why do I have to do that? It doesn't make sense. And they're arguing with you. You're giving reasons why. And, and, and you're like, you know, what's, what's the cliche? Because I'm your father. Because I'm your mom, right? You, you hear that. All the time, and that's just like, that doesn't satisfy me at all. So it's, it's that's, but that's, the real thing is, what we have to realize, it's, it's not out of reason that we need, it's out of a revelation. The quicker you know, or you get a revelation of who your father is, that he knows what's best for you, just like a good parent knows, wants what's best for their, their children, they, they love them and they care for them. He wants more than you realize. 
you'll begin to operate your life and live out your life out of a revelation rather than a reason. So when life doesn't make sense, oh, I know who my father is. When, when he's telling me to give, I'm going to trust because I know who my father is. I'm taken care of. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. I'm taken care of. He'll never leave you or forsake you. See, these are promises in the word of God. These, we, we know who our father is. It's, it's out of a revelation that, that we need to have. You see, here's, here's the goal for every, every pastor, every leader, every disciple maker. Uh, the goal can be found in Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, there's that revelation, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Unity of faith, revelation of Jesus, a knowledge of Jesus, and the maturity. Let's read it in the Passion Translation. It says in 13, These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one perfect man with a full dimension to spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. The goal for pastors and leaders and people um, who have led you to the Lord is that you would become a mature person, a mature child of God, that, that there would be a spiritual maturity, a spiritual growth inside of you. And there is this pursuit after that. Well, so, when you're mature, when you're a mature, you're like a, you're like a tree with deep roots, right? When, if there's a strong, a huge tree and the winds are coming, it, it, you know, it, it's going with the flow and the rhythm, but it's not swayed. It doesn't break off unless you're, you're, a, you're a weak tree with, with little roots, right? Let's keep reading in Ephesians. Let's go to verse 14. It says, as a result... We're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is ahead. There's the issue when you're, when you're constantly in and out, always going back and forth. Again, if you're there, that's okay. You're here. That's what matters. Don't, don't stop coming. All right. It, it might mean... And I think it might mean that you, you haven't allowed the word of God to seep deep and, and, and grow some deep roots in you. You see, I, really, this year, the Lord has put such a deep hunger for the word of God. And, and it's one I didn't, because I, I love the word of God. I, I love theology. I, I love going to PCBI with, with Rob. I, I love listening to, to, to the teachings. For, for, man, most of my life, I've loved theology. I've loved reading the Word of God. But recently, the Lord's brought me back to a deeper hunger, a deeper place. I want to be rooted. I, I want to know who he is. Like, what, what is it, Lord? There, there's more to you. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I have to know the words in order to, um, to lead worship. Because if I don't know the, the Father, who, how am I going to lead you to him or talk about him? Right? All right, a little, little nugget there. But I... I've said this many, I think the last time I said, everything you need, every answer for life is found in that book. Every, everything, everything we need to know about the Lord is his grace, his goodness, his mercy, his judgment, his discipline, 
It all can be found in there. We have, we have things flowing around in the air about who God is and what he's like, and, and those are lies. But are you reading this? You know, so I'm, I'm the worship guy, right? I, I lead worship. This is what I do all the time. And, and, and I love his presence, and I, I live for his presence. Honestly, I live for his presence. I live for his presence, but I know him through this. I live for his presence, but I know him through this. And I found a new freedom in the word of God, like more than I've ever thought I needed. There is this, this new revelation, really, of the word of God. Um, how many are on social media? All right, more, than, more of you than that, I think, because we all see your posts. Um, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, we have Pinterest now. Um, we all know you're in it. Um, but what's, what's pretty incredible about social media, and uh, honestly, I've kind of been in it since the beginning. Um, I just, I remember, my, I remember my friend Johnny Hall. I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school. And he just said, hey, we, have, you, have you heard of MySpace? I'm like, what, MySpace? <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, you can put your own profile. You put your own pictures and what you're about. I'm like, why do you need anything to tell people about who you are? Like, honestly, I didn't get it. And, and now we're all immersed in this world of social media and connectivity. And it's, it's really amazing. It's awesome, right? It really is that all over the world instantly, instead of waiting like, uh, what, 20, 25 years ago where some event happened, you had to wait for a newspaper or wait for the evening news or turn on the breaking news and you have to get to a TV, you can find out in, a, in seconds something happening now. And, and so it's really, it's really amazing, honestly. It is. I'm not bashing it because I use it. And it, it's amazing. But, but what's, the thing about it is, is that it's become this great connectivity tool, right? Um, but it's become a global, almost, the internet has its own culture. And I'm, I'm sure if you're younger, you probably have caught this. That the, the internet memes, the jokes, uh, the videos that, that go viral, everyone around the world is watching the same thing. And there's becoming this, again, it's like this, its own culture in itself. People are, are thinking similarly and all the ideas that people have, which are, you know, it's good to have ideas, but everyone's kind of like gleaning from each other. And this becomes this um, very, it, there's this very humanistic rise of, of thinking that's coming and it's separate from the word of God. And people are choosing to go um, in, in ways that were kind of like um, that taboo before, but not successful because everything's okay. You think that's fine? That's That's okay. And there's this become this this idea that oh we're we're just we're learning we're branching out and people are, are searching for other things rather than the word of God. You know some Nielsen data has come out recently, and it points to it suggests that Generation Z, those who, who are born in the 1990s to 2010, it's suggesting that they're going to be the first post-Christian generation in American history. And they're saying in 20 years, 40% of all millennials and Generation Z are going to leave the church. If that doesn't scare you, if that doesn't, if that doesn't burn something in you, 40% of all millennials and Generation Z are leaving the church. And they're ser- but they're searching for something. They're going to different answers and not the word of God as the truth because And that's, that's a scary thing. They're no longer looking to the Lord as a source for truth and meaning. So here, here's the truth, though. What you believe is only confirmed 
by the information you have. So, so in essence, your beliefs are shaped by the thoughts you have about anything, right? When you're, when you're growing up, um, well, I'll say this, what you watch and what you listen to, the, the atmospheres you place yourself in, the environments, that the ideas and th- ways of thinking, that shapes the, what your belief system and what you believe in, what you, what you think is what you believe. So think about when you have a newborn baby, you, and we, we all can see it throughout the world, you have one newborn baby goes to one kind of family, one cult, uh, a, a certain kind of culture, and you have another baby who's born and the same day, the same moment, go to another culture, and they're grown, they, they grow up, and they're, in, they're in different atmospheres, different environments, different ways of thinking, different cultures, and they come out thinking two different things, right? You're fresh. We, we all know this. We all grew up thinking differently because we've grown in different homes, right, different cultures. And so they embody, embody their environment. And so when you come to Jesus and you repent of your sins, the slate is washed clean, Right, your your sins are forgiven. So I just want to address that. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, let's read some scriptures to back that up. Ephesians one verse seven. It says, "In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace." First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you come to Jesus and you repent, you give your life to him. Your your sins are gone. Like, they're gone. They're gone. You're forgiven. They're gone. If you have any doubt, they're gone. Okay? You're forgiven. The Bible says that you become a new creation. You have, you have a new nature. You, we, but we must cultivate this new self and pursue after a maturity in Christ. So how, how do we do this? You know, you come to Jesus. You get, you're, you're, you're forgiven. The slate's washed clean. But how do you pursue after this a new life in Christ. You know, the first thing to do is you get rid of the old. The old way of thinking is what, you, what got you where you are before you came to know Jesus. The, the old environments, the old negative people, um, the people who led you away from the things of God. And so what do you think the results are going to be if, if you, you keep going back to those things time and time again? What do you think the results are going to be? The same type of living, the same type of, of living. And you, and you think, Lord, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to serve you. I come, Lord, help me, change me. And nothing's changing because those environments still exist in your life. Those ways of thinking are still existing in your life. And there's no change because you're immersing yourself in, in those areas. Ephesians 4, this, we'll, we'll keep reading in verse 22 says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I love the idea of renewing the mind. There's a change. There's a shift that we have to make. There's an adjustment. We all know this. Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see the the connection between transformation and a renewal of the mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. There is this renewal that the Bible speaks of that that has a profound effect on our walk with the Lord. When we put aside all the former things, all all the old things we used to do. 1 Peter chapter 2. Says, so abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, 
feelings of jealousy and slander. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have um, experienced his kindness, putting aside all malice and deceit. Let's get a drink here. Let's read verse 2 again. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, there's a hunger, there's a desire, there's a want, you know, there's how they cry, right? Um, we all know that. We, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you have a taste of the goodness of God. We have to... I, I, are you getting this? You have to crave for the spiritual milk of God's word. This, this right here is life-changing. I'm not, this, is, this is really my point here. This is life-changing. This will change your life. You crave after. You long for more of, the, of God's word, of what he's like. You get to know him. There's transformation when, when, when you look in this book. In this book. Um, so the question is, what are you feeding on? What are you ingesting into your mind? What, what are you allowing to shape your thoughts? 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your heart, your hope, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James 1.21. I have a lot of scriptures. But, right, I should, right? Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility... Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Are you, are you getting this? You're getting this. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8. This is, we, we've read this a lot the last couple of months in the prayer series. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. There's a steadiness, there's a pursuit, there's this consistency. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace, the God of peace, will be with you. Are you, are you catching this? Let's read in the uh, Passion Translation. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before, it's God's, before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable, admirable, beautiful and respect, respectful, pure and holy and merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. So the question is, what's occupying the space of your mind? What are you allowing yourself to think about? 
What are you allowing yourself to think about you? About your family? About your day? About the future? Is it, is it the disappointment of the past? Is it, is it the behavior of your kids, your husband, your wife, situation at home? I mean, you fill in the blank. There's things that we worry about, the things that, we're, that occupy our mind. But I want you to recognize how that's actually shaping the level of faith in you. What we've done is fill our minds with, and, and I love TV shows. I, I love watching really good movies. Um, trust me, I, I love it. But if all you're doing is filling your mind with the, the junk of the day, the reality TV shows that, get, that produce absolutely nothing, the raunchy shows, the movies, and the gossip, the, the, the news, I mean, you name it. What are you allowing yourself to feed on? And then, and what we've done is then we neglect the truth, and we have a tainted version of it because most of the time we're over here. Most of the time we're over here, and then we, we, we go to church a little bit, but then we're over here all the time. And then we, you know, we've, we, read, we read our daily verse of the day. And we're like, yeah, like, thank you, Lord. I read my two-paragraph devotion. And then I go back over here. And then we're like, Lord, where are you? <laughs> and all the while, the answer to every, every question you've had is right here. I'm just like, trust me. What are you feeling, like, what are you filling your life with? And so you wake up every day and, and to face your day and you have zero ammo to face it with. You go to prayer and you're already defeated because what you filled your mind with is hopelessness. And God, I don't know, are you really there? Are you really for me, God? Are you say, but I don't know. Because you, you don't have any ammo. You don't have any resources. Your, your foundation is, is really rocky. Jesus said in uh, John 8:31, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you, uh, you are truly my disciples if you remain, remain faithful to my teaching, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I will forever know this verse because of veggie tales. I'm just being honest with you. John 8:32b. <laughs> Not even joking. Uh, let's, let's read that in the Passion Translation. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. So when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your life. There is this embracing of the truth, this accepting of the word of God. Do, do I believe do I believe this is the word of God and everything in it about God is true? Remember the story about uh, in the farmer, Jesus told a parable. And, you know, he, the farmer was scattering the seed at different types of ground. One was rocky, one was thorny, and one was very good ground. And so the one that was on the rock is, is one that had, it, there was no foundation for it. And so the, he said the devil snatched up the word, right? The seed that represents the word, which is Jesus. And then some fell on thorny ground, which it choked out the seed because, and that represents the cares of life, the worries, the concerns, and it didn't have any, any place to grow root. But then those that, the seed that fell on good ground was able to, to 
to sprout and grow roots and go deep and is able to produce a harvest, right? So what is the condition of your heart? Is it ready to receive the word of God so that it can change and transform your life? Or are you consistently thinking about your own cares and the, the worries and concerns and we drown out the word of God in our lives? Or are we taking this in day by day and we said, I, I, it's this, I mean, I, I love that old, old saying. It's like, I don't remember, I don't remember what I, the, the sermon I heard or the word I, I read two weeks ago, but it sustained me. It fed me. Bill Johnson says, I don't know what I had for lunch yesterday, but it sustained me. And so it's this, there, there, um, let me just say this. You read this even 10, 15 minutes a day. And, and that's comparing to not reading it at all. You read this 10 to 15, this will change and transform your life. I'm not, like, uh, I'm passionate about this right now. So at the, at the root of everything, what does your faith rest on? Billy Graham says, I may not understand everything in the Bible, but it is God's book, and I'm going to live by it. You see, the content you pour into your mind will have a tremendous impact on what you believe. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. You gain answers when you ask questions. But the problem comes when you allow doubt to rule the conversation. So that's exactly what happened in the garden. Remember, God told Adam, hey, you can eat it from every, every tree in the, in the entire garden, except for the tree of knowledge and of good and evil, right? And then the devil comes on the scene, and he comes to Eve and said, did God really say that you'll die if you eat that? And that's when doubt crept in. A simple question that places doubt on the authority of what God said. And that was enough. And that was enough for Cain to kill Abel. Because one simple doubt brought in sin into the world, and sin is, sin is the problem. So what we think about affects our behavior. It, it not only steers our behavior, it, it actually shapes it. See, the things that you dwell on will determine your mood, your will, and how you interact with, with those around you. This is probably, for me anyway, in the, in the last couple of months, for me, the most transformational revelation that I've received is that what I think about what I think about myself, about who I am, about who God is, has changed my life. Yeah, and I've, I've received the word of God, but when I embrace the word of God, when I embrace it as truth, now I'm not only reading uh, from a reasonable standpoint, I'm reading out of revelation because there's this knowledge of who God is, and I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, okay. I'm, I'm walking with you, Lord. I hope, you're, I hope some of you are getting this. This is... I'm sure many of you are, are, are recognizing what, how, what your thought life is like, what you think about, what you're dwelling on. I mean, we live in a day and age where depression and anxiety are all time high. And I remember Diga a few weeks ago said, the power of the Lord. Why, why are we discounting the presence of God from changing, from changing us and transforming us from, from that kind of... Uh, way of thinking, way of, way of affecting us. 
it's, it's our thought life, what we think about. Are, are we drowning out the word of God? Are we accepting it? What are you going to embrace? The truth of the word of God or the lies around you? What are you going to embrace? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.